This is just the beginning. From Kickstarter. I'm Zakia Gibbons. I'm Nick Yolman. And that's voice teacher Daisy Press guiding us through some pretty unusual vocal exercises. While you might seek out some voice teachers to learn opera or, you know, try in vain to sound like Beyonce, people go to Daisy for a specific reason, to sound like themselves. There's a ring of authenticity when someone is expressing something versus when they're listening to how it sounds and judging it. So it's like, how do I trick people into feeling comfortable enough being themselves to sound like who they are in that moment. <laughs> okay, so were you thinking about vocal technique or how your voice sounded during that? I was not worried about that. So I was like, we all sound crazy yeah. right now. <laughs> we all sounded great, but yes, restoring some kind of insanity is helpful, generally. This episode is all about finding your voice, both literally and creatively. We'll hear from people who, through their work, found ways to sound more like themselves. I, I say to students very frequently, it is simple, but it's not easy. We'll come back to Daisy later in the show, when she'll give a voice lesson to one of our coworkers here at Kickstarter. But first, the stories. I was very young when I started singing, and I became the soloist in this choir full of old ladies in a church. We collected all the good words that have ever been written, song lyrics, Yelp reviews, a beekeeping manual. Ever since that time, I wanted to know how to make that sound. How do they do that? Joining us for our first story is Michael Garofalo, who produces the show with us. Hey, Michael. Hey, Zakia. So who are we going to hear from? It's a husband and wife team from Oakland, California, and they created the Electro Spit. It's a new musical instrument that, well, I guess the simplest way to put it is that it lets you sing like a robot. A melodic robot. <laughs> yeah, that's a great description. A robot. Who has a soul. <laughs> a robot with a soul. Oh, yeah. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Kickstarter podcast with Electro Spit. My name is Maya Conte. I am in charge of business strategy, marketing, and cracking the daily whip. <laughs> My name is Bosco Conte. My name is Bosco. I'm in charge of engineering, the vision for the company, which is a shared vision. I, yeah, I was about to say, I don't know about that. <laughs> We're about to tell you the back story, y'all. I got to see the electrospit when we sat down for this interview, and it looks a little bit like a pair of headphones that you wear around your neck, with the part that you'd normally put over your ears, Bosco calls them sound cups, resting right on your throat. So the way that the electrospit works, the sound comes into the sound cups. If I put it on my neck, it goes through my neck and out of my mouth. It replaces your vocal cords. So if I talk at the same time, you can kind of hear it in the background. But if I open the back of my throat, then now you can hear Now you can hear it. Ah, that's what it sounds like. The electrospit is actually based on an older instrument called the talk box that was used a lot in the 1970s and early 80s. And that's when Bosco got hooked. 
I was in middle school at the time, and I would ride in my neighbor's 6'5 Impala, and he would play Zap, More Bounce to the Ounce. And then we would go to the skating rink, and they would have breakdancing and popping competitions, and that was the main song for those competitions. Ever since that time, I wanted to know how to make that sound. How do they do that? Bosco went on to spend years mastering his talkbox technique, and he is a master. Bosco is one of the few go-to guys in the music business, and his credits prove it. He's played talkbox on tracks by Bruno Mars and Big Boy. So why is he trying to reinvent it? Well, first of all, the talkbox is notoriously difficult to play. There are some, let's say, basic design flaws. For example, you have to try to sing while you're holding a plastic tube in your mouth. And if you hold it in the wrong place, it doesn't sound right. And even if you hold it in the right place, it still sounds like you have a tube in your mouth. (laughs) And then there's Kanye. Kanye, okay. (laughs) So I had the opportunity to play live on the American Music Awards with Kanye West because I did this song called Kanye's Workout Plan that I wrote and there's a big talk box solo. But before the show, they're talking about what the performance is going to be like and it's going to have all these dancers and you're going to be moving around. Because they were doing like a workout routine. Right. Dance routine. the talk box is not mobile. So I'm going to have to lip sync. Which sucks because this is my big moment to like show everybody in the world, you know, how great of a talk boxer I am. And and no, I'm out there doing a Milli Vanilli. That was the inspiration for Electrospit. Some of our early prototypes, we had like a person with a keyboard tie and a person with like, you know, how they have those snorkeling things where they have the thing in their nose or whatever. Like, maybe we can do that. Oh, yeah. I had like an attachment to the tube. Like I thought of the talk box as the tube. And when the more you thought about it, it's like that makes it so you can't share it because it makes it unsanitary. And that means that less people can use it like when you go to a studio, anybody can pick up a guitar, right? But if somebody has a spare talk box laying around, unless you, you have it. a clean tube, nobody wants to touch that thing. Yeah. There was maybe no one more qualified to bring the talk box into the 21st century than Bosco. He's not only a musician, he's also a mechanical engineer. He got his first big break in the music industry while he was still in college, when he was commissioned to do the theme song for the TV show In Living Color. And it seems Bosco's particular brand of genius that combines music and technology, it runs in his family. My mom plays French horn, my grandmother plays trumpet, my aunt plays trumpet, my other aunt plays guitar and sings. So, you know, Christmas carols are very lively. and I sit silently. (laughs) (laughs) So music was a huge part of our family. And then in addition, everybody in my family did math. My mom is a math, she was a math professor and now she's a civil engineer. My grandmother was a math professor, but before that she was working as an electrical engineer and she was actually part of the team that invented the microwave. My mom's first cousin invented the laser. Like I said, Bosco seemed destined to build this instrument. And with a backstory like this, it makes sense that Bosco and Maya really do consider Electrospit a family business, even if what they're doing doesn't exactly look like a mom and pop type of thing. Everything for us is family, you know? Yeah, everything. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just everything. <laughs> Some people are like, how do you 
work together and live together and you're married. And I was like, well, we actually really do like each other. So. Right. That's right. <laughs> but when we first got together, Maya had come from the corporate world. There was some learning to be done about Definitely. what looks like work. Entertainment looked like kick it time to me. Like, oh, it's like he's like, no, this is a business meeting. I was like, no, you're having drinks. And I had never had a quote unquote job. I mean, I was. You've always been an entrepreneur. I've always and been. And people don't think of that as a job, but it's so much more grueling than a job because <laughs> nobody tells you what to do. There's no set hours. Like he had way more of a job than anybody that I've ever known. Like he. Well, yeah. If I didn't sell this particular song, then I wasn't going to be able to pay my mortgage. So initially, Anytime we would face some adversity in our entrepreneurial ventures, Maya would she start looking at the job, job boards the and job I'd be boards. like applying for jobs and stuff. Right. I mean, it was like, you're just fooling yourself. You're just but wasting time. Now, when we face some type of adversity or challenge, it's, we can do it. We can figure this out. We're going to get we're creative. We're doing it. It's always we're See? doing it. We're, we're doing it. <laughs> it's done. Consider it done. Yeah. Initially, she looked at Electrospit as this is Bosco's thing. That's you know, true. He's the producer. He plays talk box. There's this yeah. crucial turning point where our son was trying to give me a compliment. And he goes, Mommy, you know, maybe when I grow up, I want to be a music helper like you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm a boss. <laughs> Dipped in sauce. <laughs> And how about their son? Even though he's still in elementary school, he's already angling to take over the family business. At his school, they had a project called The Living History of Hip Hop. His dad came in as a part of that whole project and did a demonstration of the electro spit and all the kids got up and tried it. And then after school that day, our son said, okay, so I need to be the salesman for the because he said everybody in the class says that they each have like a hundred dollars so i think that's like a good price point around a hundred like okay you're the fourth grade and you're nine years old and you're trying to you know basically pimp out <laughs> your classmates to buy the electros fit when i spoke to bosco and maya the electro spit was just about to go into production and I couldn't help but notice that as they talked about the upcoming release, they sounded a bit like parents watching their kid grow up. The talk box has been behind closed doors basically for so long. It's going to be like this girl whose parents are in the church and and now she's growing uh -oh, up to Preacher college. daughter syndrome. Preacher's daughter she's syndrome. She's about to get buck wild. She's about to get buck wild <laughs> and she's going to be, you know, like the talk box is going to be out there and people are going to do all kinds of stuff and... I know that there's going to be some kid that's going to pick it up and be 10 times better than me and play it upside down or behind his back. And that's we don't the exciting put any, We don't want to put any limitations on it. We're just excited to see what other people do. I can see the future and I see no limits, especially if I see you in it. We are not a gimmick. We are future perfect. Disparate thoughts connect to create the circuit. Maya and Bosco Conte. Since they spoke with Michael, Bosco has been back and forth to the factory in China that's making the Electrospit. Follow their project updates on Kickstarter and their website, electrospit.com.
Zakia, does the name I am, am I, who am I mean anything to you? I am I, who I am. I am, I. am I, who am I? I have no clue what that is. Who, who is that or what is that? <laughs> well, for a while, that was the big question. At the end of 2009, a YouTube account with that name started putting out these compellingly weird music videos featuring a singer who never showed her face. People loved her voice, but no one knew who she was. There was a lot of speculation. Was it Lady Gaga, Bjork, Robin, Christina Aguilera? Wait, so who was it? Well, it turned out to be a Swedish singer named Yona Lee. Yona already had a career as a kind of poppy singer-songwriter, but used the mystery surrounding I Am, Am I, Who Am I to reinvent herself as an artist. And when her recent world tour, which she launched on Kickstarter, brought her to Brooklyn, we invited her to stop by and talk. She starts by telling the story behind one of her most personal videos, Dunes of Sand, and how it took her back to the place where she first found her voice as a singer. I was very young when I started singing at age four, five, and I became the soloist in this choir full of old ladies in a church. It's in the middle of nowhere. Basically, there's just a church and two houses, and that's it. And I had to ride my bike three kilometers to get there. And on Sundays at three, I would perform and sing different hymns. That's when I found out that I could sing, and eventually I started writing songs. As far as the eye can see. Dunes of Sand, it's about being in a very dark, low place and trying to get over this enormous like emotional hill. I filmed a live video for it in the church where I started singing as a kid. I hadn't been there since I was like 13. It was a powerful thing to stand there and sing for the janitor, my dad. <laughs> I, I think I'm using my vocal more now the way I did when I was a kid than uh, in my previous solo career. I was told sometime when I was 19, I remember, that I had a good voice for being a backing vocalist. And that for many years was something that I had in my head, like, okay, well, I'm a good sort of plain voice. It was like with I Am My Who My that I found my edge. Now I can connect that to when I began singing and, you know, that voice that I sort of had, but then I I erased some of the characteristics in it to sort of be accepted. With her true voice no longer muted, Yona found a new sense of freedom in the work she was making with I Am, Am I, Who Am I? Then she got some frightening news. I found a lump on my throat and I went through a couple of years of just trying to figure this out and what it was. First couple of months, there was a cancer scare and then finding out that it wasn't cancer, obviously it was a big relief, but there was a risk that I would lose my voice permanently. 
Yona is still facing this uncertainty about her voice. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And the name of her latest album speaks to the anxiety that comes with that. It's called Everyone Afraid to Be Forgotten. Like losing her voice would somehow erase everything she's done. This album here is more of the honest truth about what that does to a person when you do a lot of things on your own. And the solitude that comes with that as well. Because that's what the internet does. There's a distance. And it's a safety in the distance, but there's also a kind of a loneliness in that. That distance and anonymity of the internet is something Yona has explored from the start. She almost uses her online community as a creative medium. Like one time, she decided to perform a concert for a single person and let her fans decide who that would be. She drove him out to a remote forest in Sweden, performed for just him, and then appeared to sacrifice him at a burning altar. And she live-streamed the whole thing for other fans to watch. But with all the elaborate creative projects she's done to connect with her audience, there's one kind of obvious thing she hasn't done much. We haven't been able to tour a lot. It was hard to translate an online project to a live stage. And so I was a little bit afraid of that, like physical meeting. But now with this album, it felt extremely important because I know that there are fans who really want to see a show, especially now when we went to Brazil for the first time. It's one of the shows that I will remember as one of the best. We came to Sao Paulo and our luggage went missing. And the gear that we have is extremely important to make the show happen. So I felt, okay, this is not going to work. We had so little time and we were so tired, but we borrowed things and I made costumes on site. And it was such a highlight because it became something totally different. We had uh, this moment where one person from the audience do a dance off, and it was part of the Kickstarter that you could dance with me for one song. Let's dance. This really sweet boy was going to dance with me and I took him up on stage and we did that song and that, that was the end of the concert. And then we went off stage and he said, Jana, can I ask you a favor? I want to propose to my boyfriend. He's out there. And I thought, I can't say no to that. Uh, hi. So we have a little special thing that you would like to say to your dearest one. Gabrielle, you are not like anyone I ever know. And it was amazing. Just that was a big moment. It's never happened to me before. By the way, he said yes. Now, this may have been the first onstage proposal she's inspired, but browsing fan sites, you see that Yona has had incredible interactions with her fans everywhere she goes. They dance with her, make art for her, come to her concerts dressed in elaborate costumes. And so by finding her voice, she's kind of helped many other people all around the world find theirs too. When you're touring, all of a sudden you see that these people are there for real. You feel a, a lot of appreciation and love. And then I almost feel silly for feeling frustrated at times. Yona Lee's newest single, Open Sea, is out now. To see the video for it and find out about her upcoming album and tour, head to yonalee.com. That's I-O-N-N-A-L-E-E dot -E -E com.
In the stories we've heard so far, technology plays a big role in helping people find their voices. But what about the opposite? Can humans help a machine find its voice? That's what a group of writers, artists, and developers called Botnik is trying to do. You know how when you're sending a message, your phone suggests words that it thinks you want to say next? That's called predictive text. And Botnik wrote a computer program that uses that same technology to generate new creative works. You feed it some kind of text, and it helps you write something new in the same style. So for example, they fed all the Harry Potter books into their program to create a new book in the series. Harry Potter and the Portrait of What Looked Like a Large Pile of Ash by J.K. Rowling. Magic. It was something that Harry Potter thought was very good. And last year, they started working on an album of pop music. The machine spits out the lyrics, the humans behind Botnik create the melody, and they call it... The Songularity. We built a computer program that helps you write lyrics in the style of any text you feed it. Here's a song written with half Morrissey lyrics and half Amazon customer reviews of the P90X home workout DVD system. I was wasting my money and my overall health on a government scheme designed to push myself to die. And I think it's fair to say I've gotten bored with this desire to get ripped. We collected all the good words that have ever been written. Song lyrics, Yelp reviews, a beekeeping manual, and we mixed them up into one perfect album. The Songularity. That was from the video for Botnik's 2018 Kickstarter campaign. And we have a preview of a couple other tracks from the album. Here's a song that matches together Ronald Reagan's speeches and Beach Boys lyrics. There was a big old dinner in the sea And the Russians were so cool to me One guy gave us shirts that said Moscow And showed us how to milk a Russian cow So And here's one based on gadget reviews from Wired Magazine. Robot elbows on the table, fill your hands with reservations. It's not just a waffle maker, this smart speaker makes pancakes too. Humans want to buy, because humans want to upgrade. Humans want to buy. Botnik's album of computer-generated pop music, The Songularity, is slated to be released in June. Human beings Jamie Brew, Michael Goodman, Lumi Yassin, and Chris Weed helped create the songs we heard. Actress Rainey Denham narrated Botnik's Kickstarter video. To learn more and generate your own predictive text masterpieces, head to botnik.org. That's B-O-T-N-I-K dot O-R-G. We'll wrap up this episode where we started, singing with voice teacher Daisy Press, whose specialty is helping people sound like themselves. Vocal technique for me and what I teach is based on sensation as opposed to listening. 
because you're going to be in a million different acoustic environments. Like it's different in here than it would be in a cathedral, than it would be on a subway. And so how do we know when we're singing well? It's not going to be how it sounds to us. It's going to be how it feels to us. We got a peek at how Daisy does this. She did a quick voice lesson with our colleague Mara Lynch, who, when she's not working here at Kickstarter, sings in the indie rock band Blush. And they were kind enough to let us listen in. Have you ever taken a voice lesson before? Once, like, in 10th grade, because I was really shy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was to, like, help get me out of my shell. So what's your relationship with your spoken voice and then your sung voice? The feedback that I get a lot is it's very quiet, even just speaking normally. But also when I'm singing, it's like we really got to, like, crank the mic. To speak louder, it's focusing the effort of our voice up into our faces. Mm-hmm. We use that space inside of us to create a sound that's going to carry. So was there anything you wanted to just work on? I have many karaoke songs. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always sing that Lisa Loeb song. Oh, the You Say? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to sing along with a karaoke track of it? <laughs> oh, God. So we're going to sing this together? Oh, no, you're going to sing it. Okay, I'm going to have to, like, close my eyes. <laughs> you say I only hear what I want to Good okay. job. How'd that feel? It felt, like, a little shaky. Uh-huh. A little tight. Uh-huh, tear around your yeah, throat. Yeah. yeah, it felt a little kind of yeah. stuck. What you did sounded pretty <laughs> darn good. <laughs> But how do we get it deeper in your body and access the ease of your spoken voice? So it's like, you say, you say. Yeah, that's in your throat. Now say, you say. You say. Yeah, so we're like sing speaking it. Okay. You, you say. say. Sounds nice. <laughs> I only hear what I want to. 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 Right there. Right there. Sing it there. I only hear. I only hear what I want to. It's really nice. It's a much more bloomy sound. Mm-hmm. It feels like, whoa, <laughs> where did that come from? The change is big on the outside, too. It feels more like you. Speaking and singing are actually the same thing. They come from the same physiological mechanism. The tool really is you. Mm -hmm. Your own resonance, your own just like Mm creature-ness. And I sing that for the whole breath. After this lesson, Daisy did one last vocal exercise with us. She pulled out an Indian instrument called a shruti box, which is kind of like an accordion that only plays long droning notes. And as she pumped it, she had us take deep breaths and sing a single note as we exhaled, picking a different note to sing with each breath. Right? So ready and... It was kind of like singing in slow motion, not worrying about how you sounded or what part of the song comes next, just feeling the physical sensations of vocalizing. After the credits, we'll just leave the drone going for a couple minutes so you can try it too if you'd like. This episode was produced by me, Zakia Gibbons, Michael Garofalo, and Nick Yellman. Elise Malouk is Kickstarter's editorial director. Special thanks to Zoo Labs in Oakland, California, Daniel Sharp and Tony Hollingsworth, and our very brave colleague, Mara Lynch. You can hear her band, Blush, at blush.bandcamp.com. And thank you to voice coach Daisy Press. Head to soundlikeyourself.com to check out her classes, performances, and recordings. 
visit us at podcast.kickstarter.com. And tell us what you think of the show. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to call in with questions about your creative work for advice columnist Adam J. Kurtz. The number is 914-381-0233. Or tweet us at Kickstarter using the hashtag JTB. Until next time, I'm Zakia Gibbons. I'm Nick Ullman. And this is just the beginning. Ich brauch nur noch